Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Good world. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, Valley sports fans. As Sarah the Ruthless told you, happy shenanigans Wednesday. We are Bickley and Murata Mornings. I am Dan Bickley, unfortunately. To my left, Vince Murata, Jarrett Carlin across that glass, and Sarah the Ruthless joining us. We are at that, uh, almost at that crossroads of a magical time in sports where you're going to have the NFL season kicking off. You're going to have the baseball playoff starting, and then you're going to have hockey and basketball starting up. Mm-hmm. We're in that. We're, we're coming to that area of the calendar mm-hmm. when all roads lead to Rome. It's like uh-huh. a, you know what I mean? Like a solstice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, though, um, it dawned on me in watching you get ready for the show today, Jared. Uh oh. <laughs> you observe me a lot. I do. Observe. I do. I do. I am a paid observer, is what I am. What do yeah. I got? Okay. What I got is I am curious how a uh, how a guy. Who refers to his athleticism, who once wore the nickname Hurricane, who was fathered by a man with the nickname Jet, walked so slowly. (laughs) How does somebody with the nickname Hurricane, sired by a man named the Jet... Move so slowly. Jared, I don't want to pile on, but I've noticed it too. Like when we're getting ready for our pre show meeting and you're walking to the printer. Yeah. It, you're it takes a while. It, you, you should basically have three toes at that point because you're a sloth. <laughs> and it's very true. That's, and one ass not, cheek. No, it's not that I. <laughs> it's not that I walk slowly, it's I walk at a deliberate pace. What you're is pacing deliberate yourself, about that? Is what pace. you're saying. Yeah, you're I don't pacing know. yourself. It's sort of a defiance thing. No, I just defying life by just just, I'm doing this on my time. At different times of the day, Jarrett has different walks. He's he's very much a strutter at different times of the day. He does strut sometimes. That is true. Chest out, shoulders back. I mean, Uh, that's (laughs) head back. Yeah, I mean, a little Uh, arm swing going on, a little swagger. It's Uh, almost like he's got the soundtrack of Saturday Night Fever in his head. Yeah, right. No one else can hear it. That is true. You do have different gates for different times. I'm not what they call a morning person. Yeah, that's where you're getting at. Are you a lunch person? Or are you a dinner person? I'm no, I'm not much of a person to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Not much of a person. You are a person, I will give you that, Jared. Start the show, <laughs> Ferret! Scruffy mongrel. Scruffy mongrel. The splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Animal. Animal coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. It's so great and reassuring to hear your producer say at 6.05 a.m., I'm not really a morning person. I know. That's That's excellent. Explains Uh, a lot. Cardinals back out of the practice field in Tempe today as they begin getting ready for the Los Angeles Rams visit to State Farm Stadium on Sunday. That means we'll also get our first look at the Week 3 injury report. 
report later today. Cardinals made some roster moves as well. Signing linebacker Devon Kennard to the active roster from the practice squad and released wide receiver Andre Bocelli. Uh, Kennard had been elevated from the practice squad in both of the Cardinals' first two games. Has played 52 snaps and has one tackle. One tackle? One tackle? <laughs> uh, Bocelli saw his first uh, uh, regular season NFL action Sunday in Vegas. Had two catches for 12 yards. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping for a I, little bit of a reduction on the injury report today. Yeah, that would be nice. It's been way too long. That, that might weeks. be nice. I, I'm trying to, uh, I, I don't recall really, this is such an odd beginning to the season, to be, to be dealing with a football team that gave its fan base and its community such a, such a lightning bolt of magic in that victory, and yet people still don't know if they're any good at all. It's yeah. it, it's fascinating, and the those, the yo yo nature of the Cardinals in the power rankings, as we will discuss today, mm-hmm. kind of bear that out. Yeah, uh, six time All Pro offensive lineman Joe Thomas, cornerback Darrell Rivas, and pass rusher Dwight Freeney, the former Cardinal, headline the list of nine first year eligible uh, players picked among the 129 nominees for the 2023 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, your buddy Chris Johnson, also uh, My eligible buddy. this year, yeah. Chris. Is he going into the Dishonesty Hall of Fame? <laughs> I'll vote for him. First ballot. Uh, D-backs and Dodgers got together for a day-night doubleheader. And, well, the first game didn't go well for the team named after Snakes. Uh, looked pretty good in the opener. D-backs built a 5-1 lead. After Snakes. That's Dol- pretty funny. I've Dol- never heard that before. Yeah, I'm looking for new I like new that. Things. The team named after Snakes. Dalton Varsho had a solo home run and a two-run single. Christian Walker had his 35th home run of the season. Then the eighth inning happened. The bullpen faltered. The defense went south. And the Dodgers scored five to grab a 6-5 win. In the nightcap, the D-backs once again got strong pitching from rookie Dre Jamison, who allowed just two runs over six innings. They took advantage of sloppy Dodgers defense, committed four errors in a 5-2 win. D-backs led 3-2 in the seventh when Cattell Marte hit a solo home run to center field and added another run in the ninth when Corbin Carroll tripled in Sergio Alcantara. D-backs break their 11-game L.A. losing streak, and they are now 2-20 in their last 22 games at Dodger Stadium. Game four of that series tonight, Madison Bumgarner on the mound trying to avoid his 16 loss of the season. Bumgarner has lost his last six decisions and in that span has a 7.82 ERA. Oops. Uh, he'll be faced by the fireballing right-hander Dustin May. That game gets underway at 7.10. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. That first game of the doubleheader was one frustrating affair. Holy moly. You think you got the Dodgers beat and everything collapsed. Mm-hmm. Kevin Ginkle comes in, can't throw strikes. Josh Rojas forgot how to field a baseball. Ugh. Man. Uh, Corbin Carroll, by the way, was named the USA Today Minor League Player of the Year. Before oh. his call-up to the show, he hit 307 with 24 home runs uh, and 31 good. stolen bases. That's a nice honor. And there's a quote in the Bob Nightingale piece, too, from a scout that said, uh, basically I'm paraphrasing, but in all my travels this year, uh, in recent years, this kid is the best player I've seen. He's so much fun to watch. Ooh, okay. There you go. Good. Uh, Aaron Judge helped the Yankees come back with a solo home run in the ninth inning. His 60th of the season to become only the third player in American League history to reach the 60 plateau. He's now one away from tying and two away from eclipsing Roger Maris's team and league record of yeah. 61. Set and back in 61. I'm curious how, how high he can push this number. They've got 15 games left. Yes. 
And stuff to play for still. Yeah. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton later in the inning hit a walk-off grand slam, and the Yanks beat the Pirates 9-8. Judge, uh, 15 games left, as you said, Bick, to break Maris's mark. Uh, what an inning that was. You're losing to the Pirates on a ho-hum Tuesday night, and then you hit, you see yeah, a home run that ties Babe Ruth and then a walk-off grand slam, man. Yeah. What a treat. No, yeah, exactly. And for him to get to 60, it's it's uh, that is just rare air. And for him to do it clean we're hoping <laughs> hoping it, it's it really it, you think about what this could be like if there weren't all these frauds in front of him on that home run list we'll get into it later yeah uh espn is in the process of releasing its annual nba rank their list of the top 100 players in the league they've unfailed numbers 26 through 100 so far two sons appear on the list Mikel bridges comes in at number 49 DeAndre Ayton at number 51. Devin Booker and Chris Paul will both be featured in the list's top 25, which will slowly be unveiled today, tomorrow, and Friday. So we'll see where they land. Okay. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves guard Anthony Edwards fined $40,000 for using homophobic comments on an Instagram video. Edwards did delete the video and issued an apology via social media. The Timberwolves also issued a statement expressing disappointment in Edwards' words and actions. Mm -hmm. Former Coyotes defenseman Keith Yandel, one of three longtime NHL players to announce retirement yesterday, joining uh, Zdeno Chara, who played 24 seasons, by the way, and P.K. Subban, who played 13. They also called it careers. So that's like 53 years of experience right there. Gone overnight. Yandel started his career with the Coyotes in 2006, stayed until 2006. 15 when he was traded to the Rangers, still ranks 10th in franchise history and assists. Uh, Coyotes also signed uh, forward Barrett Hayton to a new two-year deal worth over $1.7 million per season. He had 10 goals and 14 assists in 60 games last year. By the way, hockey uh, training camp is starting very, very soon. Okay. It's, it just sneaks up on you every year. Logos are on the ice and Logos everything. Logos are on the ice. Did you see that at Mullet Arena? Uh-huh. The dual logo uh-huh. at center ice? Uh-huh. And uh, your 2022 Euro Basket champion, España, the Spanish team, beat France 88-76 in the gold medal game. Juancho Hernan Gomez, Bo otherwise Cruz. known as Bo Cruz, nice. won 27 points. But it was his brother, Billy, who won the MVP award for the tournament. Spain, they're dancing in the streets in Spain today. There you, you get go. had a good national program. They really do. They got a lot of good players over there. I think they dance in the streets every day. They, they do. Yeah, they're just that doing is very it for a different reason today. That's why people love Spain. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your splash for uh, Tuesday, September 21st. Or Wednesday, September 21st. I hate when I don't switch the date on my show sheet. I'm it was Thursday that. yesterday. Ah. Tuesday today. Oh, yeah. Somebody... <laughs> Ooh, with our luck, this it'll be Monday tomorrow. Been... Oh, I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, coming up next, Cardinals. Still a lot of mystery about what the Arizona Cardinals. We thought we'd get some answers in week two. We got some, but not all. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Yeah, I think it's just more focusing on, uh, you know, just executing right from the rip and uh, just kind of getting into it. And, you know, again, uh, you know, it's early in the season, so it's just kind of a lot of us are just getting, you know, our legs under us, getting used to it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I know we'll, we'll get it right. That is uh, Zach Allen of the Arizona Cardinals talking about something that has plagued the Cardinals through the two weeks. That's been consistent. A slow start, fell behind quickly against Kansas City in week one, never recovered. Started very slowly in week two against the Raiders and eventually recovered, but not a recipe for success to keep coming out very lethargic and non-productive 
in the first half. So I think that's going to be one of the refrains. You heard it from Zach Gallen when uh, you know practice resumes today. I'm sure you're going to hear more about that from Cliff Kingsbury. But mm-hmm. how do you figure it out? That's yeah. uh, it's one of those things that you know you have a problem with it, but what do you do to actually combat it? The uh, the the one of the first reprieve the Cardinals got Sunday in Vegas was the fact that the Raiders did not use their first half dominance to establish a bigger uh, deficit at halftime for the Cardinals. The fact that that game was 20 to zip at halftime, still within the Cardinals' reach, even though statistically they had just been pancaked in the first half. It could have looked and felt it could have looked as bad as the Kansas City game on the scoreboard, uh, but I think that was the the door that was left open that the Cardinals, to their credit, went and uh, got their way through it. Um, yeah, I, I especially with this game being at home, I, I, these narratives are getting very tired, and you wonder how a football team that is really banking on the best of last year to carry them through this year can explain how they've been so bad at home. Uh, this this losing streak at home now is what six games. Yes. Okay, and it's it, and and more to the point, it, it seems to bring out the worst of them. And, and so I think a lot of us are wondering what, beyond just the quick starts, what how good is this team? I'll tell you this much: in rewatching some of that game um, against the Raiders versus some of these other games with high powered offenses, uh, these wide receivers for the Arizona Cardinals without DeAndre Hopkins, they didn't get a whole lot of separation against the Raiders, and, and you. You could see that in a lot of the two-point attempts. Uh, part of the reason why Kyler Murray was doing the the, the crazy scramble routine, there's nobody really to throw the ball to. Uh, Hollywood Brown busted free once, but I think, uh, and and that's not necessarily a shame. But but this offense has got to they got to spread out the field a little bit. They've got to they've got to create some downfield pressure, and and, and they've tried a couple times this season, but I think they need to do that. And I think the key, yeah. if possible. Will be can the Cardinals' offensive line hold up? Uh, to me, it's one of the. It's really the second, third best takeaway out of this game. Kyler Murray's one. Byron Murphy Jr.'s two. The offensive line is three. And I think if this offensive line that that played every snap together on Sunday, save for one, when DJ Humphreys came off the field, if this crew is going to gel and be good enough then I then I think the Cardinals can 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 do this. I think they can get out of this weird cycle they're in and get up up above it and be the team they were through the first 12 games last year. We'll see. That's uh, to me it's that's the beauty of this game on Sunday. Going back to your point Vic on separation and downfield passing, I think you hit the nail on the head. It it, it is something that did uh, you know, rear its ugly head again and and they got away with it Sunday in the second half uh, against the Raiders. The thing that scares me about this is, again, that's another thing that we talked about at the end of last year. When DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, what happened to the passing game? It got even more horizontal. There was not really any downfield threat. There wasn't a whole lot of separation or precision in that passing game. I'll give him a pass on that two-point conversion um, because... You know, it, there's a lot of bodies in the end zone there. Oh yeah, and it, it's hard to get separation when you're you're playing in a phone booth. Uh, but you know, on the downfield stuff where they've got real estate to work with, you're right. There hasn't been a lot of ver- verticality. No. Once again, yes, they've had injuries. 
Other teams have injuries, too. I mean, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills have had some serious injuries mm-hmm. in the first two weeks, yeah. and they just keep humming along. So yeah. I, don't, I don't want to hear that as an excuse, no, either. I, You're on the field. you got to produce. Yeah, and so so I think that I would, li- I would like to see this Hollywood Brown-Kyler Murray connection get to a different level. I don't know if it can against the Rams, because um, Jalen Ramsey, I'm quite certain, will be locked up on Hollywood Brown. But, it, but at some point in time, they've got to make those big plays that you see from Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs when you see from any number of quarterback like you know even Tua and Tyree Kill uh, last week, you could you could see just the danger they bring to the field. The Cardinals have got to have that. The, the sense of danger this offense presents defenses is when Kyler Murray gets off schedule and guys are chasing him around and guys are whiffing on him like he's Casper the Ghost, mm-hmm. and, and then he gouges the defense, and now the defense is panting, and now the Cardinals have got the edge and momentum, and and all that's what they're afraid of. They need to be. They need to strike fear in in a more complete kind of way, where where that Kyler Murray stuff is the supplement to it. Yes. that would make the Cardinals' offense devastating. Well, if you look around the league and you mention the Miami Dolphins, what they did against Baltimore is they had a comeback that was punctuated and defined by big plays, explosive explosive plays. Them exploiting their speed advantage. Now, I don't think anybody's got as much speed at the wide receiver position as the Miami Dolphins do. They had two guys with over 160 yards receiving yeah, in that unbelievable. game. Unbelievable. Uh, but you don't see those same elements with, with the Cardinals. And that, in a way, Bick, at least in my mind, makes what we saw Sunday even more remarkable. That they're down yeah. 16 points in the fourth quarter and they're able to come all the way back and eventually win that game without the benefit of it's an true. explosive play. It's very, very true. And with all, and and with a complement of mistakes from your wide receivers, that's just how good Kyler Murray happened to be, and 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 that's a glimpse of his talent, and, and a glimpse of his ceiling, and a glimpse of how he can just mess up a football game in a good way. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 you can't you can't budget that week to week to week to week to week. You also can't fall too far behind against a good good team. Like the reason, one of the reasons they came back against the Raiders and not against the Chiefs is because the Raiders are not as good as the Chiefs. That is true. true. And the Rams are probably more like the Chiefs than the Raiders. Well, that they is always also say true. it. It's a 60-minute game. The Kansas City Chiefs played a 60-minute game in Week 1. The Raiders played a 30-minute game, mm-hmm. and they lost because of it. Um DJ Humphreys spoke to the media yesterday. He talked, uh, you know, everybody around the league is still talking about Kyler uh, Murray's two-point conversion that pulled the Cardinals to within eight. A two-pointer. I, I was like, yo, this, I thought the play was over like three times on the two-pointer. <laughs> he took off running on that last one. I was like, all right, that's, I hope you get there, but I don't know if I can get over there now. <laughs> I ran, you ran, he ran about 80. I had to run at least 50. I was like, I don't know, but I think I'm tapped out. <laughs> I think I'm maxed out, but it was, it was wild, though. It was Definitely wild to be a part of it. Did you see the video that uh, HBO put out? I did. Yeah, <laughs> JJ Watt just sitting there watching it. Yeah, the smile. Run, Kyler, run! <laughs> yeah. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Humphreys also told a great story. I guess there was some hecklers giving the Cardinals the business in the first half of the game. So after they win on the Murphy touchdown, listen to what DJ Humphreys. The funniest part was was everybody else was running to Murph. And Justin Pugh was running the other way because it was this dude that was on our bench that was talking junk the whole game to us. I mean, I'm talking about, like, it felt like he was, like, 
on the bench. Like he felt like he was sitting behind, like directly behind the bench. Yelling. That's how close he was. That's how loud he was. And Pew literally beeline to him after the game and let him hear. It. He let him hear it. It was. It, I, I wasn't over there for it, but I saw him running past me. We passed going this way, and I was like, I ran past him. I was like, that, that don't really make sense. But after he explained to me what it was, I was like, I'm so glad you went over there, bro. Because I, I was ignoring him the whole game, and I was doing such a good job of ignoring him. And you, I was so glad that you went right to him after the game because I was so excited I forgot about it. <laughs> and what did Pew say? We do not have enough bleeps to, to explain what we said, but it, he got the message. He got the message, though, for sure. DJ Humphreys is awesome. Uh, that's that's pretty funny. And it's something people don't think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um how do you deal with hecklers that are riding you the whole game? DJ Humphrey said he had forgotten about it and ignores. Not everybody's got that ability to ignore. Uh, no, listen, that's that's very very true. I and that, and that's why if you're a pro, you do what Justin Pugh did and run it a, after the game. Yes. You don't get in, engaged until you've got the outcome. You don't right. even like hecklers on Twitter, right? Vinny. Yeah. Let alone somebody who was literally yelling at you, you like that. You picked up on that? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we had hecklers heckling us during the radio show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do. Thanks. <laughs> Shut up, Jared. Called Statler and Wardoff, <laughs> a.k.a. Bickley and Murata. <laughs> you're, not, uh, you're not that far off when you say that. Uh, coming up. Up next, one of the NBA's most outspoken players has spoken out on something that's happening in Phoenix. We'll tell you what he said next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I do think it's absolutely insane that Robert Sarvers is going to receive a one-year ban and $10 million fine and just return to the sidelines next year and return to the building next year. It actually goes against everything that the NBA stands for. The NBA stands for inclusion. The NBA stands for diversity. The NBA definitely stands against bigotry and racism. And I commend Adam Silver our commissioner, and the entire staff at the league office for the stands that they have taken over the years. I don't think there's been any other organization or league that supports their players like the NBA supports us. That's Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors on his uh, podcast. You knew he'd speak on it. Yeah. He speaks on uh, a lot of different well, I subjects. He, I thought he spoke very eloquently on that subject. I that... thought, but you could hear the tone of the voice mm-hmm. as that one trailed off, giving credit to the league office and, and the way that they support players. There, there was a butt coming, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a butt coming, and here was Draymond Green's butt, if you will. For everything that the NBA stands against and stand for, This report that came out last week is the total opposite of everything that the NBA stands for. And so to think that someone like Robert Sarver that's acting in that manner can continue to represent us, that's Now, there may be, I'm just speculating here, there may be reaction to people that hear that comment that are Phoenix Suns fans, Mm -hmm. and they'll say to Draymond Green, Worry about your own team. Mind your own business. You very, very succinctly and accurately last week said, this is the league's problem now. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, this is this is branched out from Phoenix. This is now a league-wide issue. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the storm coming. Um, and you know, the storm is calm right now outside of these Draymond Green comments. Last week, we got the PayPal announcement. 
Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be other sponsors that are going to threaten financial ramifications against the Suns right. if Robert Sarver returns. But I will say with a lot of confidence that we are about five days away from the next big storm cloud exploding and raining all Indeed. over this. And that is media day. Indeed. When 100% of the players in the league will be asked about this. Mm-hmm. 100% of the coaches in the league will be asked about this. Right. And several executives will be asked about this. That's the next wave of pressure. If you're expecting it, that's when it's coming is Monday. That's uh, that's very well said. And, and there are people who see the Suns go in a couple of different directions with this. Number one, um, what they chose to do last time was they chose to kind of do a whole lot of nothing and band together and just say, we are in pursuit of a championship. We are not going to be involved in this noise. We are going to stay... Um, involved with our group in what we do, uh, and and that is the business of winning basketball games. And I thought for the most part they did a phenomenal mm-hmm. job of that. We went months and months last year uh, uh, talking about a basketball team that was setting franchise records for victories while they had an NBA investigation of their owner going on in the background. And that that doesn't always happen. Sometimes that can create a lot of um, a lot of fissures, a lot of fractures, a lot of just a lot of stuff. And but but now it's a little different because back then it was a Phoenix Suns issue and the Phoenix Suns said yes this is our issue this is our team this is our owner this is how we choose to do it now the investigation has been laid bare the conduct has been well documented um, Robert Sarver's initial reaction um, whether it was whether it was just erroneous or whether he was lying to people when he when he said all of this stuff is not true and this is misleading I, I think that plays a part in the way people are looking Looking at this, and I also think the fact that what Draymond Green just said, and while I don't necessarily like everything Draymond Green says, he can grandstand with the worst of them. I, I, I think he's pointing to something that's that's that players may or may not rally around, and that's this idea that this is our league. This isn't your league. This is our league. We as the players are this league, and you and the way you act and the way you treat people, we are not going to allow this. You are not going to front our league. So, so he's kind of laid down a gauntlet. Will Phoenix Suns players follow Draymond Green's lead, or will they continue to go? Hey, we got to button this up because we got to. We've got to win basketball games. Yeah, I, I don't know if that can be the strategy again this year, or, I hope or, or not. the result this year. I hope not. You're right. The, the Suns did push it off to the side because how can you react strongly to an article on a sports website? Now it was very thoroughly researched and reported by Baxter Holmes, and but it was we, still just an article. It was just right. an article. It was and, easily. And, it was easily. Whatever, and that swept yeah. under the rug. And that led to. to this months-long investigation on a forty-three-page report that was apparently longer, and we got the, you know, we got the abridged version of it, uh, according to Adam Silver. But those things matched up, so uh, you can't. You, you can't ha- now. It's no. fact. Uh, yeah. And now we've got a penalty and an acceptance of a penalty. So I, I don't think everybody's going to be comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the player. I mean, <laughs> playing for an organization making millions of dollars. It's a tough place to be in. But they have a yeah. guy, I will say, 
Uh, they've got a guy that can make it better for, for those players. They will be asked about it. You follow Chris Paul's lead, a guy who's you know had eight years as the president of the Players Association. He's not long removed from that position. You, you've got the perfect guy to follow to be the, the um, you know, yeah, the, the, I, the mouthpiece, if you will. I, I think at some point in time, and I'm, I'm sure it's already happened, or maybe it will happen after they begin to report to camp, but at some point, James Jones, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker are going to get together, and they are going to decide what the Phoenix Suns policy is going to be. Well, yes. And, and then, I, then I think everybody else will fall into line. Do you but. think it's possible that Chris Paul comes out, maybe with the team standing behind him, and issues a statement... Could and, be. and he says, "This is our statement as a team on the issue. Could be. He could therefore to say, like, you know, don't ask us all individually now yeah. about it. This is what we're saying. He well, could he could come out and say, I've already spoken on this matter. I've already released a statement on the matter. I don't think that would be enough. It won't because there's a question that is still hanging over this whole thing. What Chris Paul tweeted, he used the the language, the sanctions fell short. Yep." But he didn't have a suggestion on what they should, how That's they right. should have been That's beefed right. up. So That's right. was he hinting at a longer suspension, which mm-hmm. was possible? Uh, we know a, a bigger fine was not possible. Or was he hinting at you know the the owners getting together and and, and having removal of Robert Sarver? And, and then later on, he said, "And this cannot happen. This ca- this cannot be repeated." Yes. Was he was he saying, "Okay, when Robert Sarver comes back, there better be some guardrails here," or was he saying, "We need to come up with a solution to ensure this will not be repeated"? Yeah, I think I think Chris Paul statement by the kind of, next owner, right? Yeah, I think Chris Paul left this kind of open ended, yes. and I think he needs to close the loop. And 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 Devin. Booker as a star player in this league, I, I think, I, I mean, I guess he could follow Chris Paul and say, yeah, what he said, I don't know if that's enough given Devin Booker's um, image. And I'm yeah. waiting, quite honestly, for Diana Taurasi to speak up. Yeah, I mean, they're out of season right now, mm-hmm. um, but with as, you know, public as she's been, as visible she's, as she's been for as long as she's been that in the Valley, Maybe that comes after Suns Media Day. The, the Booker question is an interesting one, too. He is by far the longest-tenured Phoenix Sun. He's going into his eighth year. Oh, yeah. If you can believe that. Oh, yeah. Right. Would you guys be satisfied with the scenario that Jarrett presented? Chris Paul represents the entire team at Media Day, issues a written statement, and says that's that. Would would that be satisfactory to you, or do you want to hear more from these players? I'd want to hear more. I uh, yeah, I, I really would. Uh, but again, it's it's like you've got to be able to really separate this. If you take a guy like Devin Booker, first of all, Devin Booker has received every penny that he ever dreamed of from Robert Sarver. Mm-hmm. He's had no struggle getting paid in any. Uh, in any juncture of his career. He would go over to Robert Sarver's house and play basketball in his gym. Does he have the ability to separate the way this man treated me and the way this man treats celebrities versus how this man treated employees? Devin Booker's on Twitter, too. Chris Paul tweeted something out. Devin Booker did not. Well, that's true. I I think, as we talked about last week, I think that was was orchestrated. I think... Chris Paul, um, with the power that he wields as a player or respected leader among players in this league, probably talked to LeBron James. LeBron probably said, hey, I want to say something on this. You go first, I'll go second, and then we'll we'll put this off to the side until media day. They, they've got to deal with it in some way. Yeah. And to your question, too, would that be satisfactory, Sarah? I, I, I want to hear more. 
But it's a balancing act, too, because there's basketball to be played, and Bick brought it up earlier in the segment. This can become a huge distraction if it's something that's in the face of the players and the coaches Mm -hmm. and even the employees every single day. So I guess my answer is yes and no. I do want to hear more, but I don't want it to be the sole focus of of what this team... I mean, there's still basketball to be played. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sounds maybe flippant or frivolous, but that's... What the business is. Uh, week three of Bix Picks is underway. Text Pick to 620-620 to sign up. Compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize, a 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text Pick to 620-620 to enter. Coming up next, there has not been too many women who have called Major League Baseball action as a broadcaster, but we will talk to one of them next. Jill Guerin, who called three innings of the D-backs Dodgers game, one of the doubleheader. She'll join us straight ahead here on Bickley Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. First pitch swung on deep fly ball to right field. Right fielder Gallo going back. He's looking up. It's a home run for Dalton Varsho. And just like that, the Diamondbacks take a 2-1 to lead over the Dodgers in game one of this doubleheader. Welcome to the big leagues. Jill Guerin, first pitch calling the action Baseball's in the top of the third. Like that, it is. The Dalton Varsho goes deep. What a welcome. And uh, we welcome Jill Guerin, who made history for the Diamondbacks yesterday, to the Bickley and Murata Morning Show. Jill, good morning. How are you? Hi, Jill. Hi, good morning. I'm great. How are you guys? Good. Uh, I think it was rude of Dalton Varsho not to let you get settled before yeah. you had to call <laughs> a home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of my oh God moment. What am I supposed to do now? But I think it, it helps me just kind of settle in immediately. Um, just remember, this is baseball. It's fun. Let's get to work. Right. All right. And so now that your debut has happened, what? how have you felt afterwards? Put us uh, Put us in your shoes, if you will. It was so amazing. I think now I just kind of feel relieved where, okay, I've made my debut. I think I've proven that I can do this, or at least I'm on my way to be able to do this consistently. And I just feel good. (laughs) Jill Guerin, who made history yesterday, called three innings of the Diamondbacks' first game against the Dodgers in the doubleheader, joins us here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Jill, I dabbled in play-by-play, and I remember the first couple times I did it, I was absolutely a ball of nerves. And I can only imagine uh, not starting a broadcast from the first inning and just taking it all the way through maybe led to the nerves. Is that accurate? Yeah, it was definitely different. I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. I've always been a part of a broadcast from first pitch to last pitch, so it was different for me. But it was also kind of nice where I didn't have to worry about getting the lineups in and setting the scene. I just got to take yeah. over from Chris and do play-by-play, what I, what I know how to do. Being a pioneer of sorts, being a female pioneer in a male-dominated realm like professional sports, it's, it's, it's not always an easy journey. I'm sure you've dealt with your share of trolls. You were also a college softball player, so you've been in the athletic realm as well. Tell us about your journey, What how, how you got to this point. Right, so... I mean, I went to Emerson College, and that was really the first step for me to be able to be a broadcaster. I focused a lot more on softball than I did on actual broadcasting. So when I graduated, I maybe only had 10 baseball games under my belt because baseball and softball are obviously in the same season. Mm -hmm. So that was tough for me, but I was able to get a summer league job in Nashua, 
interned for the Red Sox, and I was lucky enough to be able to get my current job with the Visalia Rawhide with only about 30 games under my belt. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and I'm assuming, uh, Jill, that the the games you do for Visalia, you're, you're doing the whole thing. You don't have a color commentator for that, right? Oh, yeah, nine innings by myself. Can you explain to our audience just how difficult that is? <laughs> It's, it's tough because you're just you're obviously you're broadcasting to an audience, but you feel like you're just talking to yourself because you crack a joke and you don't hear anyone laughing and you're thinking to yourself, oh, God, I hope I'm funny. Um, so it's definitely tough, but it, it makes me better. And honestly, being able to have Candy as a partner for those three innings just made my life so much easier and it's wild how much nicer it is to have a partner in the booth <laughs> what kind of reaction have you received uh via social media via the channels you follow it's been for the most part positive you know you're gonna have your trolls here and there just because they don't like broadcasters in general or they don't like a woman being a broadcaster but for the most part i've had really great um, feedback and my friends and family have all been texting me. I turned off my phone for the broadcast and when I turned it back on I think I had 60 text messages, 100 Twitter notifications, so it was pretty crazy. Uh, Jill Guerin, our guest, she called uh, play-by-play for the uh, Diamondbacks yesterday in Los Angeles. Now, and, and you are from Southern California, correct? Yes, so yes I am. That had to make it uh, even even more special to be able to do it in your own backyard. Tell us about that. Absolutely. I mean, I was able to wake up in my parents' house in my childhood bed and drive into L.A., drive to Dodger Stadium. I've made that drive before. So it was really comfortable, which was really needed for your MLB debut. You need to be as comfortable as possible. How did you, knowing of of the trolls of which you've spoken, and, and we've seen this in so many different areas and realms of professional sports, how did you steel yourself against that? Who counseled you? Who helped you prepare how to deal with that aspect? I think just my years of being in baseball, I see how people will comment on any broadcaster. I mean, people who are in the Hall of Fame get haters on Twitter. And so just knowing that has made me be able to calm down and not take it to heart. You know, for a split second, it's a little punch to the gut that someone doesn't like your call. But at the end of the day, like... I know who I am, and I know that I have this debut for a reason. Yeah, and speaking of, of you know, Hall of Famers or play-by-play announcers that kind of shaped your style, who, yeah. who are some of them, Jill? Well, I grew up watching the Nesson broadcast. I actually grew up a Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. So um, John Orsello and Jerry Remy were the guys that I had on my TV while I was doing homework growing up. Um, Tim Neverett has been a huge mentor for me. He's one of the voices of the Dodgers. Of course, Susan Waldman has been a huge help for me as well, just because she's a woman in this industry and she's been in the industry for so long. So those are the people that I really look up to or go to for advice when I need it. I I think it's interesting that this idea was floated to you during, uh, I guess, uh, a meeting you had with Scott Geyer, who's the VP of broadcasting for the Diamondbacks. And he kind of told you that, listen, we want to do this. We want to get you in front of that microphone and do this at some point in time. What was it like kind of knowing that the Diamondbacks were like that this was out there dangling and is going to happen at some point in time? That must have been just exhilarating. It was. When he first told me, I thought I misheard him for a second. (laughs) Um, It it, it was really exciting. Of course, I didn't want to keep my hopes up because things happen and things don't always come to fruition. But as the season went on, Scott and I kept in touch. He listens to a few of my games in Visalia and 
this just made sense with it being a double header. Um, you know, Chris is going to have to call 18 innings of baseball. Let's get you here. LA is easy for you to get to, and you can have three innings of the first game. Yeah, that is really cool. We're talking to Jill Gearin, who called play by play for the Diamondbacks yesterday. Uh, so, what, what's next for you? Uh, I, I assume this is not going to be a one time thing as long as you're part of the Diamondbacks family. Have, they, have there been any indications that this can be repeated? No, no, nothing set in stone yet. Um, I would obviously love to continue to do it. I really do love working with the Diamondbacks organization. Um, but no plan set in stone. I'm getting ready to drive back to Visalia and finish off my duties there. Did you uh, now? I, I, I'm assuming that the fact that the Diamondbacks have gone through a youth movement that you've crossed paths with some of yes. these players in the past. Uh, did, did you hear from any of them? And, and how cool was that to be able to kind of uh, have that part of your debut? Yeah, I, I saw Geraldo Perdomo and Jake McCarthy before the game. McCarthy gave me a hug saying congrats on the call up. Um, I had a few text messages from players this year. Jordan Lawler texted me two nights ago saying congratulations. So um, the Diamondbacks really do a great job of picking amazing people as their baseball players. I've had an amazing time getting to know the whole group ever since 2019. That is so cool. And now you got to give our listeners a little bit of a tip to the future. Who, who are some of the players at Visalia now that might be two or three years away from, from wearing a D-backs uniform, Jill? I mean, everyone knows the name Jordan Lawler. Yes. He is amazing. First of all, just a stand-up guy. He comes from a great family. Um, he has everything he can hit, he can field, he's fast, but he's also smart. And he's young, and he knows how to handle himself already. It's very impressive. Uh, Of course, Davis and De Los Santos, Wildard Patino, I was able to have those two this year as well. Um, I think Wildard really had a breakout year this season. I mean, he had so many stolen bases. I think he had over 70 at the end of the year. Um, He's spectacular. He's one of the most athletic people I've ever seen. Finally, Jill, as a radio show, we're blessed to have Sarah the Ruthless as part of our show here, and, <laughs> and she inspires a lot of young female journalists and young females who look at this industry. What would you? What advice would you give to to young girls looking at this and going, hey, I, I, I want to do that? My advice is to just do it. Um, you are never going to be perfect in your first time, so you might as well just get the first time out of the way and Practice your play-by-play and get as many opportunities as possible. And also to remember to be unapologetically confident. There's going to be some people in this industry who try to tell you that you don't belong here, but you do and you deserve to be here. Good stuff. That is great. Jill, congratulations. You, Jill. Great, great story. And thanks for sharing it with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Best of luck to you, Jill Guerin, who joined us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up, as we hit the uh, 7 o'clock hour, the Arizona Cardinals got a win. Was that a win, a Band-Aid for what ills them, or was uh, are they actually back where they should be? We'll get into all that next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.